रहा है हिंदी सिनेमा का सबसे बड़ा ब्लॉकबस्टर तो माकेदार होगा एंटरटेनमेंट जब करण जोहर आयुष्मान खुराना और मनीष पॉल होस्ट करेंगे फिल्म फेयर की शानदार रात फिल्म फेयर के मंच पर होंगे रणबीर कपूर करीना कपूर खान कार्तिक आर्यन वरुण धवन जानवी कपूर और सारा अली खान के इलेक्ट्रीफाइंग परफॉर्मेंसेस तो हो जाइए तैयार फॉर हिंदी सिनेमा बिगेस्ट सेलिब्रेशन वॉट द सिक्सटी नाइन्थ फिल्म फेयर अवार्ड ट्वेंटी विद गुजरात टूरिज्म ऑन संडेटीन फेब्रवरी नाइन पी एम उंगली ऑन जी Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. This is the Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. Superstition. Any belief or attitude that is inconsistent with the known laws of science or with what is generally considered in a particular society as true and rational. or so says Webster's unabridged dictionary but who is to say what is true and rational you decide for yourself this week a story of science versus superstition dr burgen mckee a scientist of the non-laboratory variety a cultural anthropologist a phd a published scholar on the subject of navajo indian witchcraft but someone who doubts himself as a man Dr. Bergen McKee is about to set out into the field to complete some unfinished research. Death is something that is embodied in all societies. Murder is quite something else. And for Dr. Bergen McKee, all the textbooks in the world won't be able to wake him from the terrible nightmare that is waiting for him. Our story, The Blessing Way, will begin after this word. delicate ear operation. Maria gave birth to a premature infant. Raphael had a tooth pulled. And Angelica underwent cataract surgery. Each one came to the SS Hope, the famous white hospital ship for care and treatment. Each left healthier, happier. But Hope does more than treat patients. At the side of Project Hope's professional medical personnel, there was a counterpart physician, nurse, dentist or medical assistant from the patient's country who was working and learning. These medical trainees and professionals will continue to treat other Hosias and Marias in their own country as Project Hope's living legacy. Help 
hope live on. Write Project Hope, Room A, Washington, D.C. Picture this. A moonlit night above the vast plateau region of northeastern Arizona, Navajo country. Rugged terrain, sandstone laced with granite, cut into hundreds of deep canyons and mazes of arroyos, a crazy quilt of erosion. The valley, bordered on the east by the Luca Chucan Mountains, rising still and stoic from the depths of what the Navajo call Many Ruins Canyon. Along the western slope, a faint flickering light, practically invisible. It is a small fire, built in the extreme corner of a natural enclosure, giving the face of Lewis Horseman a reddish cast. It is a young face, thin and sensitive, with large black eyes and a sullen mouth. Lewis Horseman hears nothing but the fire and the wind. It is only when he raises his eyes that he sees the towering shadow of the two-legged wolf who's watching him from behind. Suddenly, he turns and gapes in stark terror at the big man with wolf skin draped across his shoulders. The forepaws hanging down the front of his huge chest. The beast's empty skull pushed back on his forehead, its snout pointing upward. I won't kill. I, I won't kill. <laughs> 400 miles to the east, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Dr. Bergen McKee, age 38, University professor, Department of Anthropology, sits in his apartment at his desk, grading final examination papers. Well, that's a very good point, Miss Ferguson. I agree wholeheartedly, but you really should quote your source. Dr. Bergen McKee, Social and Psychotherapeutic Utility of Navajo Wolf and Frenzy Superstitions. Albuquerque, University Press, 1967, pages 71 through 73. You'll never get the graduate degree plagiarizing this way. It happens this way every term. Papers come in, and I wait until the very last moment before grades are due, and I sit up late and curse my students' ineptitude, slash away with my red pencil, and then wish them all a happy summer vacation on the bottom of the last page. Always the same, predictable Dr. McKee. Ogre in tweeds, a monster slayer and proponent of the scapegoat theory, re-Navajo primitive superstition. I fell asleep at my desk and woke up the morning of May 26th in the same position, hardly fitting for a man like myself. Two letters were on my mind. One of them I'd mailed a month ago to Joe Leaphorn, Navajo Tribal Council, Law and Order Division, Window Rock, Arizona intimating that I might return to his neck of the woods to resume my studies in the field. I had sent such a letter once a year for the past six years, but never went. It was six years ago that I'd received the other letter that was on my mind. A note, actually. Fifteen words in blue ink on blue paper. Berg, I am meeting Scotty in Las Vegas tonight. I won't contest the divorce. Sarah. It was late morning by the time I arrived at the university. I took my mail from the faculty box and had just retreated to my office when... Berg, where would you look on the Navajo reservation for an electrical engineer testing his gadgets? Who wants to find him? 
A daughter of a friend of mine, a girl named uh, Ellen Leone, she says this guy drives a light green van and is doing some kind of research that has to be away from electrical transmission lines, telephone wires, stuff like that. Well, that narrows it down to about 90% of the reservation. Well, I told her we'd look for him. Did you now? Well, now, you don't want to make a liar out of your honorable colleague, do you? We'll look. If we don't find him, we don't find him. Doesn't really matter. She'll be coming out herself in a few days. Well, are you kidding? A woman? Beyond question. About five foot five, slim, long dark hair, and wearing a checkered pantsuit? You saw her in the hall? I saw her in the hall. Very pretty. Mm -hmm. Well, well, what's, what's this? Hey, Dr. Canville, do you mind? We may share an office, but that doesn't give you the right to tamper with my mail. I see you've heard from your boy in Window Rock. Yeah, Joe Leaphorn. Leaphorn. Is that an Indian name? He's a Navajo, if that's what you're asking. Well, where do you want to start hunting for witches? Jeremy. Bergen. <laughs> Look, how about starting over in the West Slope, beyond the Lucachucas, the Many Ruins Canyon? That's my specialty, ruins. If you've got some witches in there to scrutinize, there'd be plenty of ruins to keep me busy. Jeremy, what's the fellow's name with the green truck? Hall. Jimmy W. Hall, Ph.D., the young woman's name is Ellen Leone. Oh, uh, they're not married, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you decided to go, Bergen. I think maybe I should ask for a guarantee that your witches won't get me. My Navajo wolves, being strictly psychotherapeutic, are certified harmless. Here, get. What's this? Look, looks like a frog. Reed Clan Totem, one of the holy people. Good for fending off corpse powder. No self-respecting Navajo wolf will bother you now. I guarantee it. Hello, this is Hugh Downs. Recently, I took part in a Ford LTD fuel economy test with two professional drivers and two housewives. Our individual averages ranged from 16.3 to 20.3 miles per gallon. I averaged 19.7. Which underlines one fact about mileage. Cars or drivers are never exactly alike. Driving under controlled conditions on regular gas with standard 351 V8 engines, we traveled from Phoenix to Los Angeles, never exceeding 50 miles an hour. The test was conducted by General Environments Corporation, who have filed a report verifying the results. Of course, mileage depends on driving habits, road and driving conditions, total weight, and maintenance. And you may not get the same results. But if I had an advantage, it was probably that I followed the same driving tips you can get from your Ford dealer. Lots of Americans still need and want a solid, well-made family car. And driving reasonably is one way you can be sure of getting the most a Ford LTD has to offer. The quiet riding Ford. The closer you look, the better we look. We'll return to our story in a moment. Be prepared. Are you ready to get started? Be prepared. Are you ready to take the lead? or older, you can help a lot of guys be prepared by being a leader in scouting. I mean, fella, scouting today is a lot more than you think. Be prepared. Are you ready to get Be prepared. Are you ready to take the lead? 
Green got my graded papers by the noon deadline, and I was on my way to Navajo country inside of 48 hours. We packed most of the gear in the Canfields camper. I drove the pickup on ahead and arranged to stay with Joe Leaphorn and his wife, Emma, for a day or two. However long it would take Jeremy to reach the reservation. In the morning, Joe and I drove to his office at Window Rock, where we got down to business in hand. I'm afraid that's about all we've got that might interest you, Bergen. We don't know what's going on yet with uh, that business in the Lukachuk area. We got some fourth-hand story about a cave of Navajo wolves somewhere back in the West Slope Canyon. The witches are supposed to be coming around the summer hogans up there, abusing the animals and the usual. And as usual, the stories vary depending on which rumor you hear. Well, what's your interest in all this, Joe? It might have something to do with a man we're looking for up there. Or maybe it's a genuine witch who really does turn himself into a werewolf. <laughs> Wouldn't that knock hell out of you scientific types? <laughs> <laughs> but who are you looking for up there, Joe? I'll read it for yourself. Lewis Horseman, age 22, son of Annie Horseman of the Red Forehead Clan. Married to Elsie Tso of the Many Goats Clan. Residence, Sabita Wash. 27 miles south of Clegg Toe. Arrest record. Drunk and disorderly. Assault and battery. Driving under the inf... Well, what's this about a knife? Harshman cut up a Mexican in Gallup last month, stole a car, and headed for the hills. Well, how can you find him up there? He could stay hidden forever. I'm going out to Shoemakers and spread the word that the Mexican didn't die, that he's alive. The news will get to Harshman, believe me. You coming? Now? Oh, yeah, Sure. It was about a two-hour drive to Shoemakers, a trading post that had just about everything, food, supplies, clothing. It was also the only post office in that area of the reservation. I spent most of the afternoon sitting in a canvas chair near the door, talking to the few people who came in about any recent witchcraft stories they might have heard. The only name that came up more than once was that of Old Woman Gray Rocks. It seems she was the source of one of the better rumors. I jotted down her name in my notebook for future reference. Joe Leaphorn was quite thorough in doing what he'd set out to do, spreading the word. He'd repeated the same information over and over, and now he was telling it to the big bareheaded Navajo who was collecting canned goods off the shelves. He's sort of skinny, about 22 years old, and he wears his hair the old way. Name of Louis Horseman. I don't know him. The big Navajo gave Joe a long look and then moved to the clothing racks and tried on a black felt hat with a wide brim. <laughs> My head got big since uh, the last time I bought a hat. You got the last one stolen. The man was big, bigger than most Navajos from this part of the reservation. I was sure Joe noticed this too, and he followed him over to the checkout counter. The big Navajo paid for his groceries and a new, larger hat, then drew from his hip pocket a silver concho band that glistened in the store's filtered light. This horseman fellow cut up a Mexican over in Gallup. Got drunk and did it, but the Nakai didn't die. He's getting better now. They want to talk to horseman about it over at Window Rock. I don't know anything about him. He's the son of Annie Horseman. Used to live over in the West Slope of the Lukachukas. Yeah, whereabouts on the West Slope? Law and order know where he is? General idea, but it would be better if he came in himself. You know, otherwise we'll have to go and get him. Make it worse for everybody. Hmm, horseman, huh? Has he, uh, come? Let's see, what'd you say this kid looks like? Slender, hat on denims, and a red sweatband. Hmm. 
Be better if he came in. We got back to Windham Rock and the house in time for a late supper. I thanked Joe and his wife for their hospitality and told them tomorrow I'd be meeting my colleague, Dr. Canfield, and the two of us were going to set up camp over in Many Ruins Canyon. Emma was tired, so she wished me luck and went off to bed. Good night, Emma. I'll be right in. You look beat, Bergen. It's been a long day, and I don't have much to show for it. Well, be patient, my friend. You will see our efforts were not a waste of time. Well, I didn't say it was a waste of time, Joe. By morning, Lewis Horseman will know he is not a murderer. Wow. Nobody you talked to knew him. More than one knew him, or knew of him. Like that joker who bought himself the new hat. Well, he said he didn't. He also said somebody stole his hat. Of course, he could have been lying. Why would that man lie about somebody stealing his hat? If he wasn't lying, who would steal an old felt hat and leave that fancy silver hat band behind? There was a brief rainstorm that night. It kept me up for a while. That and what Joe had said about the silver hat band. The next morning, I again accompanied Joe to his office. We both spent the greater part of two hours sorting through paperwork. Joe updating the entire file of unsolved misdemeanors while I sifted through volumes of witchcraft reports. Law and order, Leaphorn. When did he come in? What? Donato? How the devil did he get down there? You think so, huh? All right. I'll be there as soon as I can. Horseman. Better forget lunch. It's Horseman, all right. He's dead. Sun is shining. Things are growing. Things are going well with you and me. A future plan together. A rich full life together. Things look bright as they can be. We're will be here in a moment. Don't let it take you by surprise. At Metropolitan Life, we've spent over a century helping people prepare for the future. And Metropolitan can do the same for you. The Zero Hour continues after this. I'm Anita Kerr. The Veterans Administration says that if you are a veteran just getting home, you should talk over your future with VA as soon as possible. Find out about GI training and education opportunities. The GI Bill gives you a chance to continue your schooling and get paid while you go. And when you are finished, you will qualify for better employment and make more money than you can now. So, don't take the first job that comes along just because it's the easy thing to do. Think of a career rather than a job and prepare for it with the GI training time you earned while in uniform. You'll wind up with better pay and a happier future. Visit, write or call your nearest VA office today and get started. 
It was 45 minutes to Ganado. Joe was strangely silent throughout the drive. Every so often, he'd shake his head. What is it, Joe? It doesn't figure, Berg. The preliminary report listed cause of death as alcohol poisoning. Well, he could have got hold of a bad bottle. Could be. We were looking for someone up in the hills making rot gut with his own still a few years back. We never found him. But what's really bugging me is where they found Horseman's body. I was sure he'd be up in the Lucachucas. Ganado's nowhere near there. Well, he might have got word and was coming in. No, wrong direction. I was so sure. Well, don't feel too bad, Joe. You're 35 years old and you just made your first mistake. The late morning sun was hot by the time we arrived at the edge of Ganado's Tishaw Wash. The coroner, Rudolph Bitsy, a short, chubby, middle-aged man, was waiting for us in the shade. Find anything interesting? Haven't looked at him yet. Officer Roan the horse went back to town with the man who found the body. Thing of Begay. This the bottle? It must be. Nothing been touched. Begay was pretty upset. Says an owl flew right in front of his truck just before he found the body. Death omen. Ghost. Um, like I said, he was pretty upset. Well, let's get to it. Whose blanket? Begay's. Uh, says he don't want it back. Well, here goes. Oh, my God. Bitsy closed his eyes. Looks like he had some sort of seizure. Now, notice how the legs are stretched out straight. You could have pushed him out that way after he fell down. But if you do that while you're lying on the ground, it would push your pants cuffs away from your ankles. Well, you think he was dead and somebody put him there? Maybe. And whoever did it didn't know it was going to rain, so they brushed out their tracks with this branch. Well, I'm moving here by the road. I mean, in plain sight. Unless... Unless somebody wanted us to find him. Canfield's camper was parked outside when we arrived back at Joe's office. He was waiting for us inside. Trick or treat. Hello, Jeremy. I'd like to have you meet Joe Leaphorn. Joe, it's a pleasure. I've heard a lot about you. Joe, this is Dr. Jeremy Canfield. Doctor? Well, Berg, when do we start? <laughs> I think Joe's got work to do, so why don't we leave now? Fine with me. Joe, look, I'll, uh, I'll be in touch, huh? We'll be out in Many Ruins Canyon if you want to find me for any reason. I drove the truck, and Jeremy followed with the camper. The afternoon sun shone brightly as we descended the dirt road into the upper canyon. As we dropped deeper into the ravine, the light grew progressively less intense. The cliffs closed in, rising in sheer, almost smooth walls, nearly 400 feet to a narrow slit of sky above. We found a likely camp, a small grotto, with enough soil to support an expanse of grass and even a growth of young cottonwoods and willows. We set up the tent and settled in. There. That's about it. Well, I should hope so. Was there anything at Shoemaker's that you didn't buy? As a matter of fact, there was. This letter. Oh, what letter? From Ellen Leone. It was sent from Paige, Arizona. She's checking the trading posts around Mormon Ridge, and if she doesn't find her man, she'll be here in a day or so. I left her a note at Shoemaker's with a map showing her how to get here. Well, let's hope she doesn't need it. Well, I hope she does. You know, not every woman in the world is like Sarah. Oh, uh, uh, sorry, Berg, I shouldn't have said that. You feel like going for a drive? Uh, no. No, I, I'm really, really bushed. I've been driving all day. Well, I'll be back in a few hours. I have to see someone about a witch. 
I found old woman Grave Rocks in her summer hogan in the Lukachuka foothills. She was a squat, wrinkled woman, but ageless. I guess she was anywhere between 60 to 100 years old. She told me a man named Ben Yazi's sheep had been knifed to death by a wolf. Oh, too much knife play going on. I have a cousin who has a nephew who stabbed a Nike over in Gallup. Yeah, I heard something about that. I can't remember his name. Did that guy die? Oh, they say he got well. The boy should come in and talk to law and order. Be better if he did. Well, how's he going to know? I heard one of the boys from the Nears outfit went back up into Lukachuka country and told him about it. Do you know which boy? Funny you ask me that. A man up on the ridge asked my sister's husband the same thing. The man was Bill Akani, like you. Really? When? I mean, where was he driving a green van? Uh, well, it, uh, it was like a truck they used for delivering bread with a door in back and a trailer. That was um, three, four weeks ago. I don't know what color. It was dark by the time I got back to camp and I was tired and hungry, having not eaten since morning. Jeremy had a half-eaten can of stew waiting on the portable stove. After supper, we each crawled into our sleeping bags and in silent darkness, watched the moonlight the top of the canyon walls. What was that? <laughs> it's a coyote here. Or she put his lost dog, maybe. Could be one of my witches turned into a wolf for the evening. I say it's a witch, because this frog rock of yours keeps me safe from witches. I smiled at myself in the dark. What I'd given Jeremy wasn't really a Navajo charm at all. It was a much older and a sazi fertility token with nothing at all to do with witches. Of course, it didn't really matter. Wolves, witchcraft, superstition, and the look on the face of Lewis Horseman. Little did I suspect they were all connected or what terror was all about. You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. If your house needs insulation and you don't have storm windows and doors and caulking around the doors and windows, you could be spending 50% more than necessary on heating costs this winter. The National Bureau of Standards recommends three inches of insulation in the walls and under the floor of your house, and six inches in the attic. Weather stripping movable door and window joints and caulking around the frames will stop cold drafts. And storm windows and doors can drastically cut heat loss through glass. While you're thinking about heat loss, hot water pipes lose a lot of their heat going through cool basements, unless they have an insulated wrapping. So think seriously about spending a little money to save quite a bit. You will also save on short fuel supplies. For more information about cutting, heating, and cooling costs, send for a copy of the fact sheet, Home Energy Savers. It's free from Consumer Information, Pueblo, Colorado, 81009. Hi, this is Frankie Lane. Do you remember this song? I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. I believe that... It's 
Yes, I believe. Well, if you do, you can also remember when there were no such things as artificial heart valves or synthetic arteries. Nobody ever heard of the heart-lung machine or open-heart surgery. Today, they're commonplace, and your contributions help bring them about. But with all these and other advances, heart disease is still not conquered. More medical advances are needed to help save hearts and lives. Give generously when your Heart Fund volunteer calls for your contribution. I believe above the storm, the smallest prayer will still be heard. I believe that someone in the grave... Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, The Blessing Way. I'm Rod Serling, and this is... The Zero Hour. This episode brought to you in part by Ford and Metropolitan Life. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. You have been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater. Heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in tomorrow and once again, rest your eyes and listen here to the Zero Hour. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.